In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. Is this thing on? Use his video marketing knowledge. It's the red button, right? And use his friends. Please be on the show. To change that. You are listening to The Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. What? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. This is Ian Garlic, and today's guest is incredible background building businesses, helping executives. But before we get started, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the show being brought to you by Authentic Web. Authentic Web is the leader in helping to tell your stories, your customer stories through video and getting them in front of the right people. If you want to learn more about it, just go to authenticweb.media. All right. So today's guest, David Henderson. David, thanks so much for joining me. You're, you can hear there's some vacations going on in the background. We, we decided to do it from a beautiful view. I'll take a picture and put it on the post so you can see. Uh, but thanks for joining me. Uh, yeah. In February in Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the temperature back home? You know... It was 30 degrees this morning uh, when I got on the plane, so uh, a little bit better here. I think it's 85 <laughs> and sunny right now. So. 85 and sunny. We've got a lake view. People are enjoying their vacations. Um, so, David, tell me, let's get a little, first of all, your background. Tell me your background. How did you get into everything that you're doing? You know, it's 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 an interesting story, I think, um, because I was very fortunate at uh, age 17 to know that I was going to go into recruiting. Um, so I knew it. Um, hands down, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, I knew uh, when I met uh, actually a Marine Corps recruiter, um, Edwin Jones, uh, Nick Jones. And uh, when I first set my eyes on him, uh, I said, you know, that's what I want to be. You know, with, with that came, you know, being in the field as a Marine for four years prior to going to recruiting school. But, yeah, that's, that's actually where the original idea came from. I actually didn't know you were a Marine. Thanks for your <laughs> service. That's fantastic. I appreciate it. Um, so what what drew you to recruiting? <clears throat> you know, it, it's it's going back when, when I was in high school, I, I was very fortunate to, to be somewhat successful, <laughs> if, if you want to call that, in part-time jobs, which turned into full-time jobs, which turned into being in Oxford, Alabama, and, and maybe not a lot of opportunity for a, an underachieving academic-type person, which I would say was me. Um, had the opportunity to go in the Marine Corps, and the, the, the thing that struck me in talking to uh, all the branches, because I thought that would become my opportunity to get out of small town Alabama, um, going to different offices, visiting with different recruiters and visiting with different uh, branches, it, it never crossed my mind until I was looking out of my mom and dad's window, um, the kitchen window. And I still look out that same window every time I go back and visit. Uh, my mom's still in the same house. Uh, Staff Sergeant Jones walking down the driveway, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks and said, I said that's it. That's what I'm going to do. That's such an inspiring story. That's fantastic. I can, like, I can envision it. That's, what a great picture. It is very naive, but, <laughs> but it, was, it was true. It's a true story. So 
you grew it into now an executive search capability. Tell me, and and then we'll talk a little bit about you know moving from executive to franchise owner, and and at the end we're gonna actually talk about what is the biggest deterrent for franchise owners. What's the number one mistake they make? But how did you get into executive finding high level CEOs and executives? It, it evolved from when I when I exited the Marine Corps. And I, I did that uh, four years in the field, three years as a recruiter. Uh, my final year in the Marine Corps, I was Marine Recruiter of the Year and felt like I was on top of my game. I, I, I was in New Jersey, of all places, uh, had a successful tour, was doing a great job, and decided that it was time to try this in the private sector. Um, so I never had an idea until visiting the library of all things, uh, that there were things called corporate recruiters uh, or in-house recruiters for companies. Um, and a small company out of Kansas City, Missouri took a chance on me and, and hired me as a uh, regional recruiter at the time. And it kind of evolved into uh, uh, other positions within that organization, onto the next organization, um, and then onto my own, so to speak. <laughs> wow. And so in growing your own organization, you know, a recruiting company, how did you grow it? I mean, how, how do you go about, how do you market something like that? You know, when I first started and when I left corporate America, um, the founder, the namesake of the business that I now own and operate, which has been in existence since 1970, uh, J.R. Adams and Associates, Jerry Adams came to me and said, hey, you need to come to work for me. You need to come onto the private side and do senior level outside search work. And uh, I said, man, that'd be, that'd be not what I was thinking about, but that, that sounds good. I'll do it. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about it for a day. I went down and met the person that was running his operation at the time. And uh, she said, uh, absolutely uh, no way. <laughs> no way. We're not hiring this guy. True. True. Um, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> neither was I, because in, in Jerry's style, he, he called me back down. He's in Birmingham, called me back down from Nashville the next day after I'd already gotten home, uh, wanted to do it in person and said, look, um, we're not hiring you. Uh, the person who was the chief operating officer at the time said, no way, you're not coming here. So what I would recommend you do, and this was Jerry telling me this, is start your own. Just do it on your own. Just jump out there and do it. And what I'll do is I'll help you with referring business to you. Oh, nice. So I, I didn't know any better. It was, again, one of those things, a little bit naive. I just said, okay, I'll get a tax ID number and uh, pick a name out of a hat, H&A Recruiting, because uh, I was going to branch out, hospitality and accounting. And uh, I also kind of thought it could be Henderson and Adams if you ever came around, but <laughs> it, it, it didn't happen. <laughs> so... How long ago was that, if you don't mind me asking? I don't mind. That was in, uh, I'm in my 21st year of being on my own. So that was in, uh, gosh, do the math backwards on that. Yeah, like in the 1990, yeah, 98. 98, 98. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's 2019. Yeah, <laughs> yeah 1998. <laughs> wow. So, um, you know, obviously marketing and recruiting has changed over the years. How, how do you stay at the forefront of that? Or is it just you now have so many referrals? 
The business that I started um, came through the referral network from Jerry, helping me out, referring business to me. And uh, ironically, um, probably six, seven years later, Jerry came to me and said, look, um, let's put the two businesses together. Um, and let's really start going forward. It's, it's time to really start doing senior level work. At that time, Jerry had never done any kind of marketing. Um, he still had never really gone out to grow the business outside of the the web from our original client and it, it had grown and grown and multiplied and doubled and doubled um, from our original client so at that point it was all through business referrals awesome awesome so now we fast forward and or maybe not fast forward but you started helping executives now move into business ownership and entrepreneurship, which is, it, I think is probably a lot of dreams, but not, what percentage actually do it? Let's talk about that first. Uh, <laughs> you know, the percentage that should do it does not equal the ones that actually do it. Um, you know, Jerry, when Jerry had retired uh, and I'd taken over the entire business and we were diversifying, uh, I went into franchising myself. I franchised another business through our organization. Um, I've licensed a business. I've uh, opened, a, done the startup, but I did the franchise system in, in the hair care uh, segment in industry, which I knew nothing about uh, other than it fit what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be in a salon all day. I wanted to be an absentee owner. I wanted to have the ability to run my business, but yet still have another business as an investment. So, I, I did that, and, and it turned me on to or introduced me to there are guys and there are gals just like me that maybe don't have a ton of experience, however, would be good fits for a franchise business. And I really just started duplicating what it was I did uh, for other folks, and it kind of caught on. And uh, I started meeting people that, through conversations, had said something along the lines, if I could, I would start my own business. If, if I had the opportunity, I would open my own business. And I would never ask the question. It just came up in interviews. It came up in meetings. And, and that's actually how it started. So how does someone go about deciding what's the best franchise for them? Oh, you know, the one, one mistake, well, you, you asked me earlier about mistakes, and there's, been a, there's a few that are made in franchising. And one, one is, I love ice cream, so I'm going to go open an ice cream shop. And that usually doesn't work. The approach that I take is, what, let's, let's talk honestly, let's talk real, let's talk about you, let's talk about what is it that you want to accomplish? What types of employees if any, do you want to have? What, where do you want to be geographically? What do you want to focus on? Do you want to be in a four walls? Do you want to be outside? Do you want to sell? Do you not want to sell? What it is that deep down inside that you want to accomplish? Do you want one, one manager, one executive, or do you want a bunch of employees and grow a large organization? And then when you can start figuring out what the person really wants, then franchise concepts will start materializing. They'll start coming t 
to the top and say, okay, this one will match. This, this particular brand will allow you to not be in the four walls every day. This particular brand will function as an owner-operator. This particular brand is a one man in a truck and a plan. That's what you want. So that's that's the process I go through. I, it's it's super interesting to me that your first or second question is employees and team. Yeah. Because I see this so often in entrepreneurship that no one ever thinks about that aspect until mm-hmm. and you know until it's wait they're far in and they're trying to figure out like how do I grow my business and think it's more leads instead of getting better employees. Yes. You know, and it, it is the usual suspects. The usual issue is, again, I, I love ice cream myself, but I want, I, I like ice cream. I want to open an ice cream shop. It makes sense. And that's no, because you've got a, a ice cream shop that's probably going to require you to be in those four walls. You're probably going to end up hating ice cream. You're going to hate dealing with 16-year-olds. And, <laughs> and it's not the right brand. It's not the right franchise for you. So <laughs> it's funny you say that too, because I've seen so many frozen yogurt shops open up mm-hmm. and like, there's this one place in one of our in neighborhood that we used to live in that had like 20 different frozen yogurt places in it. And I'm, I'm guessing that's probably what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something similar to that. Yeah. <laughs> so once you d- decide, okay, I'm going to make the leap. What is usually the process that you've seen people do? How do they go about choosing the franchise, buying it, you know, what's the best process for it? Well, the best process, I think, my, my opinion, is really, again, digging in deep of what are the characteristics of a type of business. Let's not even talk about a widget. Let's talk about the characteristics of a business that you want. Let's talk about the hours you want to work. Let's talk about the type of, again, employees and customers. Now, when you identify that, and, and I come up with, through our inventory of franchises that match your specific model, and we sit down and we agree, this is what you're looking for, not necessarily widget, we still haven't talked about widget, but this is what you want to accomplish. You want to, in five years, to check in two or three times a week, or you want to check in once a week with your business, and it's a manager-ran business. Once we do that, I'll introduce you to a couple of companies, two or three franchisors. Now, at that point, each individual franchised business or franchisor has their own process that they will take an individual candidate or prospective owner through, through the, the, the FDD, the financials, the marketing plan, the talking to the other owners, and all the due diligence that's required on the potential new owner's side. Mm-hmm. My role then becomes to ensure that you get your questions answered. How can I advise you? And a lot of those times, I and it's, it's nothing more than ask the questions that you're t- asking me. Find out the answers. Talk to the franchise owners that are already in the system. It's really, it's kind of like references. That's the end all be all. Talk to people. <laughs> and everyone wants a magic formula, but there, there's the magic formula. Talk to people. I, I, that's So are, do you ever advise anyone that, hey, maybe you should just start your own thing? You know, I, I think the difference between – the short answer to that is yes, absolutely. Um, but the difference between a startup is – the mistakes, the trials, the errors, the the frustrations of not knowing how to get from A to B to C to D, mm-hmm. where the franchise model 
they've already made all those mistakes. They have the playbook. They have the systems. The franchise business works. So what you're really doing is you're buying a partner that's already figured that out. Now, if you've invented the latest, greatest app or the, the, the newest widget, yeah, you're not going to get that through a franchise. Do it on your, do it, do it on your own and, and run with it and, and make the mistakes and see what happens. So once someone decides, okay, I'm going to go with the franchise and, and they've decided that and now that they've got this business up and running, what are the – and I want to talk about the one big mistake after this, but uh, what, what are the big mistakes that you see now when what are the things they should avoid and what are the things that they should absolutely do? Fantastic question because I get that question asked to me a lot. And ironically, folks forget the answer a lot of the times because it's so silly simple. It is incredibly simple. Franchises do fail on occasion. And nine times out of ten, the reason why a franchise fails, and and McDonald's is a great brand. Everybody knows who McDonald's is. A franchise owner wants to sell spaghetti at a McDonald's. They deviate from the playbook. They deviate from the proven process. They have a better way to skin the potato or to make the wheel. And trust me when I tell you, these established brands, they've already tried it. I'm sure McDonald's has tried to sell spaghetti. It does not work. But yeah. that's, that's the one thing I always say to any candidate is follow the system. That's what you're buying. You're buying a partner that's already figured out how to do it. Stick to it. Now, when I match the right candidate to the right franchise, and that's part of the puzzle too, getting the right cultural fit, the background that works within their system, the best. Once you've got that, I got to tell you, all you got to do is follow the playbook, and the playbook works. So there's the there's the the life changing answer to the but question. It's process following process, which I see so often because entrepreneurs. I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, and it's like, oh, we develop a process, and then you get like step three, and then they're like squirrel. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can imagine first time entrepreneurs going, oh, I can do this better. I can do this better. And then these guys don't have it figured out. Um, so with uh, how many years have you been helping people get into the franchises now? I opened my first franchise business through a, fr- through a franchise consultant about 18, 17 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and w- what happened after that or during that is I started having these conversations with candidates through my executive search business and referring them to other franchise consultants. And I did that for about 15 years. And I helped a lot of folks open franchises until finally, about three years ago, as I really, as you and I talked about earlier, really changed my business model um, to do less and accomplish more. I, I figured out that I could be Instead of being the referring person, I could take these candidates through the process myself. Yeah. So I got the appropriate licensing and, and uh, training and, and started doing it one-on-one myself a couple of years ago, three years ago. And so what's your biggest success to date helping someone with this? What's your favorite or your favorite story? Because I love hearing those. On, on the franchise? On the franchise side. You know, 
That's such a good question because I've, I've thought about I've thought about that, um, and, and I've gone back through just in my interviewing uh, career. Uh, several years ago, I crossed over ten thousand hours of documented interviewing time. Wow! So you're an expert. There are books that say that, and yeah. there are some folks that would say that. Um, and in that, has been a lot of franchised conversations, and they all are special because when you can see somebody that is either coming out of corporate America and you know what they may have gotten in their mind the short end of the stick and they're looking for employment and they're not having success with that and they've always thought about opening a business and they happen to have a severance so they are getting paid for a little while they're in a great position to help that person in particular that's upside down that's not employed find a business that matches what it is that they're very good at and what they truly want to do that's it you know so i, I there's a hundred of those i i love just from my background retired military officers that know how to follow process, know how to follow procedure, that never in their wildest dreams thought about owning and operating a business. But the thought has crossed their mind. The, the thought through conversation comes up, and we start talking through it. And I know usually a lot earlier than they know that this, this, this guy, this guy would be a great franchise owner. And those are the home runs. Those are home runs. You know, and I, and I love the guys and gals, too, that, that have, have been in business for themselves for years, and they just add to their portfolio. They're, they're great. They're, they're great to work with. But the person that, you know, six months ago wasn't thinking about this, and they're opening up their unit, and they're, they're calling me and sending me pictures that, that hey, my, my first unit's open, that's, that's the tip. That's inspiring. Well, it's the American dream. It is. It, it, that's, that's fantastic. And employing people and uh, military, I mean, yeah, they follow process. And there you go. And they're, they're getting past that hump. They're the best candidates in the world. <laughs> they really are. I'm a little biased, but they're, they're, very, they're very good. And, and, I mean, there are special opportunities if you're a military veteran for business ownership, right? Absol- absolutely. Special loans, et cetera. Yes. Yeah. Very good rates. Um, a lot of franchise uh, businesses offer, uh, or offer discounted franchising fees uh, or introductory fees to veterans and first responders. That's really cool. And I'm sure you can help them find that if they, they contact you, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because, you know, I, I've said this before. And, again, I'll go back to that's, that's, that's the thing that really I get jazzed about is, is that guy or gal that at 48 years old that's got a retirement, a pension, you know, a well-deserved pension. They're in a great position to open their own franchise, regardless of what it might be. But they're in a great position. And – Eight times out of ten, they're great candidates for it. Now, sometimes they're not, but and and you know, mm-hmm. I, I say no more than I say yes. Oh, really? Absolutely. But the yeses are, man. That's that's really cool. Um, and so it, you all know, you know, we're part way through the interview. If you want to connect with David, uh, we're gonna put a link to his LinkedIn uh, on in the show notes. Just click on the image, and you'll be able to uh, click uh, find David. Click with connect with him on LinkedIn. That's where I met him. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but so let's talk a little bit about the mistake. What's the, we talked about this before, but I, I want to get through this because I, I think this is a big mistake in entrepreneurship, but also in, uh, in obviously in franchise ownership. 
What is that, that big one that you see all the time? Well, we talked about one big one, but the, the biggest one that I have seen is fear. The, the fear for a very valid candidate, a very qualified, good candidate to get down to the end of the road, have all the questions answered, and not do it. For whatever reason it might be, it always boils down to the fear of jumping into being that business owner. And that is the largest, that's the biggest mistake I ever see. And it's, it's, it's disappointing, and I'm not a sales guy, so I, I'm not going to be the one that, oh, you know, you're making a mistake. Yeah. No, it's your decision. Um, and I'm very fortunate that I'm in that role. But that's the biggest mistake. Not, for lack of a better phrase, and I love the phrase, not pulling the trigger. Yeah, and I mean, it, I always, you know, selling marketing to people and, and trying to get them to do marketing, trying to invest in their business, it always amazes me because people, you know, even when they own a business, they if I told you Apple was going to double in the next year, you would go get your grandparents' money. You would get money from everyone. Like, I've got yeah. the stock tip. And we're in a business you have zero control over. Even if you worked at Apple, you have really little control over the bottom line. But people won't invest in their own business. And it's the safest bet out there. You know, that, that is such an interesting point. And, and it, it hit me several years ago. And this is, a, I think, a great analogy. It's a great analogy for me. Is I, I love to play golf. I think it's a, it's a great game it is the ultimate game in my opinion and I asked advice on number 18 on a green and you know together the person that I asked which by the way it was match play so it was fine to ask for advice. <laughs> it goes left to right it goes left to right and 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 I bought into it and I knew it didn't go left to right but I bought into it and, and that was a long story to say I'm going to bet on myself. I stopped asking for advice on the green that day, and I, I read the greens myself, and I want to put the bet on me. Mm-hmm. And for me, it works out. I, I, I like that. If, if, if anybody's going to be in the battle, I want it to be me. If anybody's going to be in the fight, I want it to be me. Um, and I, I, I love being surrounded by people that think like that, mm-hmm. that, you know what? I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to invest in me. It's the best investment in the world. It's the best investment. Investing in your business. It's the only one you really have control over. Yes, That's right. And you see things go wrong, but like you said, you, buying a franchise, you got a process. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back to the fact that you have 10,000 hours of interviewing experience because I think interviewing, I love doing, like this podcast, interviewing to me is a, a super important skill across the board, but I think when you become an owner, an entrepreneur, a franchise owner, interviewing is absolutely cr- crucial. What do you think are what are the questions and qualities and secrets that you have? I know that's like four questions in one, but to really become a great interviewer and finding the right people for your team. Listen, (laughs) that's it. You know, um, I've learned so much over the years by listening and, and that's not an easy skill to master, but I try to pride myself and always focus on listening when, when you sit down for an interview, that person across the table, as long as you as the person conducting the interview know who they are, know a little bit about their background, that's really what you need to know. Let them talk. 
let them tell you about themselves and then build on their answers with your questions. But you got to listen to do that. You can't go down an interview sheet and look at the next question and say, oh, this is the next question on my list. I got to ask this. Well, the door was open regarding leadership. Well, then let's talk about leadership. So in my opinion, the one skill that I learned early on is, is listen. Be able to control the interview. Don't let them ramble forever, but you got to listen. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, controlling the interview. Um, and how do you control the interview? <laughs> While you're listening, you know, and I've put my finger up before. So, hey, let me, let me ask you another question. Um, it's, it's, it's guiding them down the track of knowing the position. If it, it's, let's say it's a senior level position, what are the characteristics and traits that are going to be the most important for this position? It, it's leadership. It's, it's developing other people within organizations that they've been affiliated with in the past. Well, that's what we want to talk about. And just like you're having a conversation with a family member or a friend, I always go back to that. If you think about those conversations, they go both ways. You're, you're listening, you're engaged, and, and you can stop and say, hey, let's, let's talk about this. Tell me about this, you know, and change gears, so to speak. Awesome. I mean, I think that's a crucial, crucial aspect to this um, because, you know, I, going back to growing businesses and, and hiring, I just see over and over and over again. And, you know, this is a marketing show, but I see people lean too much in the skill set of bringing in new business or bringing in a new product line and not growing those interview skills, not growing the ability to grow people, not having that leadership. Um, so when you now once you get a franchise owner are you going are you coaching them on this stuff down the road you know a a franchise is going to have a lot of the tools that they need to be successful once they select the right brand um i'm very fortunate that a lot of the folks stay in touch and a lot of folks follow back up but you know it's it's one of those things where you take the ego out of it i'd love for them to say david what do i do next once i've introduced them to the right brands and they've come on board with the right brand for them. They've got the playbook. Nice. Um, you know, I, I'd love to say they rely on me after that. They check in. We still have a great relationship. We still communicate. They refer like-minded people to me day in and day out. And, and that's how I grow my business. The met referral network for me for 21-plus years has just been amazing. You know, concentrate on quality. And uh, it works. How do you maintain that referral network? And, and you know, is it, is it proactive or is it just something that's natural? You know, it's natural but directed. I, I always want every conversation to end up with, I'd like to send you folks or I'd like to refer business mm-hmm. to you, um, whether it's actually said or not. So I want to conduct my business in a, in a manner that, makes you as a candidate or as a client want to refer business to me. And I go into every meeting, into every interview thinking that. Even though I don't have to say, I, you know, can you, you know, brother, can you help me out? Can you yeah. send me, you know, I, I want to provide you a service. I want to provide you a result that in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I, I'd like to send somebody to him. I'd like to send a client to him. I'd like to send a candidate to him. And you know what? I also too will ask. Um, so it's organic. It's, 
it's direct. It, it is performance based, and it, it has seemed to work. Knock on wood. Uh, knock on wood. So, um, final question. So, how many fran- do you still own franchises? At today, no, I do not own a franchise business today. Today. Ask me that in about 90 days. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're getting down the road on one okay, right now. Awesome. So uh, another one. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, and so when you do you usually dispose of the business, sell it, or do you, how does that work? I, I have sold two franchise businesses um, and, and never went into either business with the expectation to sell. Um, I sold my original salons to a, another franchisee in the market that, that owned a hundred of them or so and wanted the rest of them and uh, was willing to pay for them and, and wanted them frankly more than I did um, and wrote the check for it. So it made sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I've sold them. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But the next one, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm very excited about it. And with somebody that I've known for 20 years uh, that has a financial background who uh, once he tells me, you know what, this is the one, let's go. I'm all in. So Fantastic. Uh, so best place to get in touch with you, LinkedIn, right? You know, LinkedIn is great. Uh, my contact information is on there. Uh, I have a lot of connections. Uh, I will connect. Um, I, I'm not a, uh, uh, a person that sends out the, hey, I don't know you. Um, I'll connect with anybody that's a professional uh, that may or may not want to franchise or may or may not want the next best gig, uh, whatever it might be. But yeah, LinkedIn is a fantastic tool for me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking your time out of your trip here to Orlando and spend a little time with me. It's awesome to do a podcast live. I don't get to do this often. Uh, you know what? The one thing that I've learned over the years is um, same thing with client visits and introductions. I'm going to do it in person. I'm going to come down. Uh, I want to see you face to face. It's just, for me, it makes all the difference in the world. So, man, it's my pleasure to be here. And uh, I look forward to doing it again. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening to David and I. This has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.